0: It's great to be back on Search the Scriptures again today with all of our listeners. So thankful to have this opportunity once again to get together and open up God's Word, dig deep, and look at all those rich teachings and truths that God has communicated to us right there in the Bible. How blessed we are to have the Bible, and how, I'm afraid, oh, careless so many people are in not reading the Bible very much at all, if ever. Uh, Just about everybody has a Bible, probably two or three or four in their homes, but I'm afraid that mostly they sit there on shelves and gather dust, or maybe they're put away into a cabinet someplace, or maybe on a closet shelf out of sight and out of mind, and yet it is the greatest body of literature that that mankind ever has had presented to him that has ever been available to us, to guide us, to teach us, to encourage us, to instruct us. God has given us the greatest book that has ever been written. We need to read it. Here on Search the Scriptures, we strive to do exactly that. We do dig deep. We do peel back the layers. We look at it in depth and in detail, and yet we try to get across those even those deeper truths and teachings in a way that is easy to understand and that makes sense for your daily lives. We appreciate so much hearing from so many of our listeners and receiving their expressions of appreciation for the teaching that we strive to get across here on Search the Scriptures. And our intent, our dedication, is to stay true to God by teaching his word in truth and to him be the glory through this ministry. Now, at the end of the program today, we'll offer you the free Bible study that we always offer. Have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready, and you can receive that study absolutely free. We don't want you to send us anything for it. I know that a lot of radio programs, they supposedly offer you something free if you'll send them some kind of gift or donation. Well, that doesn't sound free to us. So just have the pencil or pen and piece of paper ready, We'll tell you how to contact us, and we'll send it to you free, and we'll take care of the postage. You can also receive a copy of today's program or any of the programs on Search the Scriptures, again for free, and we'll take care of the postage. All you have to do is ask. We never charge anybody to help them study God's Word. So be ready, and at the end of the program, we'll give you that information. We're going to continue with our study, asking the question or making the point how we dedicate ourselves to God is important. Now we've looked at this principle in depth. We introduced it by going back to King David as he was getting ready to, re- to transport the Ark of the Covenant, a symbol of God's presence within the nation of Israel, to Jerusalem. He was going to reestablish centralized worship for the nation. And as he at first began to transport that ark on a new wagon pulled by oxen, the oxen stumbled and one of the drivers reached back to steady the ark and God struck him dead. David was confused and the text even says angry. He did not know why God had struck Uzzah dead. He did not know what was behind that, but he was cautioned at least in his own mind enough to stop in his tracks, so to speak. And so he left the ark in the house of of, uh, Obedidim and then he went back to Jerusalem and he did some homework. He began studying. It's amazing how we forget God's teachings when we do not spend time in his word. And I'm afraid that a huge majority of people have forgotten God's teachings to a great extent. So David began to study, and he came to understand that God had prescribed a method of transportation for the ark, and that God expected it to be transported exactly in that way. It was to to be transported on two poles that were to be slid through some rings that were fastened to the sides of the ark, and only the... Levites were to bear those poles with the ark hanging on them, uh, and only the Levites were to carry that ark from place to place. When David learned of his mistake, then he notified the Levites, and they went back and picked up the ark and then transported it safely the rest of the way to Jerusalem. The point of all of that introduction was it makes a difference how we dedicate ourselves to God. How we dedicate ourselves to God is important. We can't just make it up. We can't just do what seems good to us or the majority of people around us. We can't just do what feels good to us or makes us feel good. We have to follow God his way. We have to be dedicated to him according to His will and His instructions. That's why he gave us the Bible to a great extent. Now basic to His giving us the Bible is to point us in the way of, to the way of salvation, to teach us about salvation through Jesus Christ. But again, that entails dedicating ourselves to God, His way. We've got to follow him according to his teachings. We can't just make it up. We can't change anything. Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19 tell us that whoever adds to God's word or takes from God's word stands in danger of judgment. So we've got to simply follow God his way. But in order to be able to follow God his way, we've got to know what that way is. And that requires diligent study of his word. We noted that there are a number of areas in which how we dedicate ourselves to God is important. In doctrine, it is important that we believe only the true teachings of God's Word. Again, we cannot change them. We cannot add to them. We cannot just kind of reject some of it and say, well, that doesn't apply anymore. These are modern times after all, and so we've got to come up to the times, and that's old-fashioned stuff. No, we cannot change, we cannot improve upon God's teachings, even if by human rationalization we think it would be a good thing. We've simply got to accept what God's word says. It's his word, and we cannot do better than that. In how we obey God's teachings, not just what we believe, but how we obey God's teachings, it makes a difference how we dedicate ourselves to God. We've got to follow his instructions as to obedience exactly. We can't do it hit or miss. And again, we can't adjust it along the way to suit our feelings or to make us feel more comfortable. We have to follow God his way. When it comes to worship, we'd have to worship God his way according to his instructions and teachings. Now let me tell you, There's a whole lot of making it up going on in the denominational world today. You go to some church services and it's more of a show than it is a worship service. You stop and think about that. Complete with bands and choreography, a performance, stage lights, the whole ball of wax, so to speak. It's more of a show than it is a worship service. We need to partake of the Lord's Supper every first day of the week. That's the example and the model in the early church in the New Testament, Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. We need to sing the offering God, the fruit of our lips, making the melody in our hearts. There's no authority in the New Testament for the church worshiping God with instrumental music. Now that shocks a lot of people because they haven't really studied the matter in God's word. But all of the time when you see the church, I'm not talking about Old Testament times. I'm not talking about what some people might say may happen in heaven through some of the figurative language that we read in the Revelation. I'm talking about the worship of the church as laid out and exemplified in New Testament scripture. It's always singing. There's no instrumental music that's seen there. And in fact, after hundreds and hundreds of years, when when instrumental music was introduced by some churches at least, it caused tremendous controversy because it was looked upon as an innovation of man and without scriptural authority. And it's still that way today. We need to preach, we need to teach God's word effectively and diligently. We need to be praying to God as we come together to worship him. And we need to be praying openly and again praying in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, how we dedicate ourselves to God is also important when it comes to our commitment to God. How we commit ourselves to God makes a difference. Some people may just feel committed. They may declare that they're committed to God, but their lives show otherwise. Their lives don't demonstrate much commitment at all. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus was asked, which is the great commandment in the law? Verse 36. And then he responded in this way, In verses 37 and 38, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. We must commit ourselves to God with every bit of who we are and what we have. In other words, with all of our very being, we must be totally, absolutely committed to our dedication to God. We cannot follow him in a piecemeal fashion or a haphazard fashion or a casual fashion. It has to be absolute. It has to be sincere, dedicated all the way. In Matthew chapter 10, beginning with verse 37, Jesus said this along this line. And again, notice that these are the words of our Lord himself. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. And he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Those are strong words from our Lord. They're pointed and they're pretty basic in understanding. If you love father or mother, or son or daughter, we could go on and say, aunt or uncle, grandma and grandpa, husband or wife, anybody else, more than Jesus, Jesus says you're not worthy of him. He has to take the number one place in your life. God has to be first. And then Jesus goes on and says, he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. So it cannot be just a spoken commitment or dedication to God, but it has to be active. Jesus says you've got to take up your cross and follow him. And then there's something there about finding your life and losing your life. And so if you hold on to your life and you're determined to keep control of it yourself and you're the one in charge, then Jesus is saying basically you're going to lose your life. That is eternally so. But if you will lose your life for the Lord, in other words, turn it over to him, I think we can understand, then you will keep your life for eternity. Paul put it this way in Galatians 2 in verse 20. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, in other words, his physical life, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul says, I'm still alive physically. Oh, yes, I'm walking around, I'm still eating, and I'm still drinking water, and I'm still going to work, and so on, but my life belongs to the Lord now. I've given it to him. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And I live my life by faith in the Son of God. Very important principle and concept that we need to keep in mind and that we need to live by. God wants not just spoken dedication, God wants our total dedication. If we turn to John chapter 12, John chapter 12, and we look here at verses 24, 25, and 26, we see something of a parallel to what we read back in Matthew chapter 10, beginning with verse 37, about loving father and mother more than me and so on. None of that can be. In John chapter 12, and we look here at verses, uh, uh, at, at verses 24, 25, and 26, again Jesus is speaking, and he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and it dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Now let me tell you, there are several mouthfuls, (laughs) so to speak, in those three verses. The grain of wheat. We take a seed. You can make it a kernel of corn. You take that seed, and if you keep it to yourself, you've got, well, less than a bite of nutrition if you want to cook it or somehow prepare it or just eat it raw as food. But if you'll take that seed and you'll put it into the ground and plant it, well, that seed can become a stalk of corn. And on that stalk, you may have three or four or five ears, each of them producing a whole lot of kernels that will produce a whole lot of food. You can take those kernels and you can use them as seed and they can produce a whole lot more stalks that will produce even more food. But that one kernel, that one seed by itself, it's not going to do much. And when you plant that seed into the ground, it has to give itself up. That's what is meant by it has to die. It has to cease, cease to be that seed. It has to transform into that stalk of corn. If it just remains the seed, the stalk's not going to grow. It's not going to to, to develop. It has to give itself up. If we want to follow Christ, if we want to walk with God, Jesus says, he who loves his life will lose it. We've got to give up our life. We've got to turn it over to our Lord. We've got to do that by living by his teachings. And Jesus says, he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So if we will give up our life in this world, if we will live it for the Lord, if we will dedicate it to him, then we can look forward to eternal life with him in heaven. And then in that 26th verse, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. Again, it's active faith, not just spoken, not sitting on the pew even faith. Certainly not sitting at home in front of the television or out in the bass boat fishing when the church, the Lord's church, is supposed to be together worshiping him. No, Jesus said, where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. And so we've got to be active and committed in our dedication to God, in our service to him. We also look at Luke chapter 14. And in Luke chapter 14, verses 26 and 27, very similarly, Jesus says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Again, How we commit ourselves to God is important. And God is calling for absolute total commitment. Total commitment. It can't be piecemeal. It can't be haphazard. It can't be halfway. It can't be two-thirds of the way. It has to be absolute total commitment. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31, the apostle Paul said, that whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, do all, do all. Now that leaves nothing out. All of our life, do all to the glory of God. Again, absolute, total commitment. We have to live our lives to his glory. Doing that ought to be fundamental in purpose to our living. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17. Similarly, the Apostle Paul wrote, Wh- Whatever you do in word or deed, do all, again, leaving nothing out about our lives. We need to live our lives completely, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then when you drop down to verse 23, he goes on again and says, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. As a faithful Christian, we must always keep in mind who we are and what we're about, that we must always live our lives in service to and to the glory of God. In Ecclesiastes chapter uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter. 9, and verse 10, the wise man, Solomon, wrote, Long ago, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. While we're alive, that's when we need to serve God. We have the opportunity while we're still living. And when we're dead... If we have not lived in his service and dedicated to him properly, our time, our opportunity to to serve him may well be over. We may not have that opportunity in, in, in eternity because we may find ourselves in the condemnation of hell. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 11, Paul says, not lagging in diligence fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, serving the Lord with diligence and with fervor. Again, not haphazard, not casual, not come see, come sigh, not blasé, but with fervor and with diligence. And it is a daily walk, a complete lifestyle Not something that we just pull out of the closet on Sunday morning and say, okay, now I'm going to put on my Christian life. Now I'm going to put on my dedication to God. And then when we get home, later on on Sunday afternoon, we decide we put everything back in the closet. There goes our dedication. There goes our commitment until the next time we decide to pull it out and put it on. No. That's not the way it's supposed to be. We must be dedicated, committed, serving, working Christians all the time, every day. Our time is up for today, so we're going to stop and park here. We'll come back next time and continue this study. I do pray and hope that this is helping you to see more fully what dedication to God is really supposed to be. How we commit ourselves to God is important. In just a moment, we'll tell you how to contact us, and you can receive that free Bible study through the regular mail. Write down that information and contact us right away. Won't you?